Hi there, and welcome to Vox Talk, your weekly review from the world of voiceover. I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli from Voices. On today's show, John Corbin from Corbin Visual joins us from his studio in Toronto. John is an executive producer and director who works with voice talent all the time. He also consults on the shaping of academic curricula for tomorrow's content creators and filmmakers, serving as a program advisory council member at Centennial College's broadcast, film, television, and digital media program. John, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Stephanie. And thanks for that warm intro. It's so nice to hear people say nice things about you and, and talk about your career that way. And, and with, a, with a voice like yours, it's like it's double points. Um, so thank you for that warm intro. And I'm really looking forward to chatting. Well, thank you very much for being here. I mean, we've worked together before, John. I remember with Lazaridis and the Scale Up yeah. program, you did some video work and that's how we met. Um, but this show is more about what we're doing with voice actors and your background as a producer. So I'd like to go there. Um, can you tell us a bit about your background in production and also about your career journey? Sure. Well, um, as I'm sure you know from firsthand experience, be careful asking an entrepreneur about their life story. You'll be here until the sun comes up uh, tomorrow. But um, my, my, my professional journey, um, at least the abridged version, is that uh, you know, in my early 20s, decided that I wanted to create content. I wanted to produce video and video content for a living after having a really tough time on the performance side. Um, I came out of school as a theater grad, you know, thinking I was going to take over the world, of course, like any other artist or performer and and was kind of, I don't know, hit, hit pretty hard right off the bat with how challenging uh, the performance industry is. And, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go behind the camera. And if I want to cast myself, um, I'll you know, I'll cast myself on my own work if I want to act. And anyways, I went behind the camera, uh, behind the microphone, I guess, if you will, and uh, haven't cast myself in anything since, but, um, you know, wanted to be a little bit more in control of my of my career path. And like many companies, you started off with small corporate videos, um, just things to help small businesses, you know, really focused on doing a great job and, and maintaining good relationships. And I know I hate to I hate to fast forward and yada 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 about a decade of work, but you know one thing leads to another, and smaller clients become bigger clients, and you bring your relationships with you, and now we find ourselves serving you know world class brands and, and and ad agencies and professional firms, professional service firms. I'm um, just doing a a whack of content, you know, from live action to to animation to virtual and augmented realities. So I'm. I am motivated and inspired by change um, and by innovation, and and that's one of the one of the pillars of of you know the types of value that, that we try to deliver to our clients out out in the market. So, yeah, that's a little Coles notes, I guess, if you will. <laughs> of course. So um, I know you said that you you love kind of innovation and and all the the change and kind of creating all sorts like the augmented reality and VR and and all kinds of interesting new technological pieces there. Um, but I, the last couple of years, I know has been very different for everybody. And um, as a, an entrepreneur and a producer, no doubt you've noticed that too. And uh, just out of curiosity, what kind of voiceover work are you bringing in talent for most often now? And has this changed since the pandemic? So we we produce the, the VO artists that we work with most frequently are for animated videos, for explainer videos, videos that are kind of inherently voice driven, um, or at least it's, it's one of the pillars. So I would say that that only increased across the pandemic, given that people were still looking to communicate 
information about their business, products, services, et cetera, and would be able to favor video formats that didn't require people to gather. So to be able to work with voiceover artists who have home studios was just a, a boon for us because we could connect those dots in a much more efficient fashion than we could when we would do in-person recordings. Um, otherwise, you know, we also do some you know, product videos uh, and corporate videos that require a little bit of storytelling. So if animation wasn't the visual medium, then perhaps motion graphics or kind of photo montages. Let's say we're telling the story about a company who's celebrating a, a centennial, you know, and they want to tell a, a beautiful story about the company's growth. And so we would bring in VO artists to to bring their scripts to life. And just to your point one more time about the pandemic is I think what that did for clients is it made them focus on video formats that didn't require people to gather and inherently voice over artists who were able to record remotely were both an indirect and direct beneficiary of that shift in content, um, approach to content and content style. When the pandemic first hit, it really did feel like there was five years of digital transformation that took place <laughs> in five months. I don't know about yeah. you, but it was like, yeah. whoa, what's happened here? And like, okay, <laughs> I guess this is how it is. But yes, as as a, a result of, of what you've just said, uh, there's been an increase in voiceover work of all kinds, you know, in, in different applications as well. But also there's less reliance on the in-person aspect of, of getting work done. So would you say that you've returned to an almost normal state in your business for having people come in? Or are you doing a lot more of the remote work still? Yeah, um, I I think it it's more about what clients come in for, because if it's like a commercial, if it's a really high value client, I want to do it in studio simply because I want the clients to be there and to be able to have their say. I want them to be able to sit in the room and feel the words. Sometimes clients, even though they're managing a creative account, aren't inherently creative people. And as a result, by not being able to have that visual contact with the voiceover artist to just gauge their mannerisms, they're not they're not in a position to provide really tactical feedback because they're just not they're not drawn in if they're not in the room. And it's really hard to know how to speak to a voiceover artist in a way that's strictly audible, um, if you will. So when it really matters, I bring them, I still bring them in studio, but for the most part, I try to do as much remotely as possible because it's easier for me. And frankly, voiceover artists, like their home studio setups, I would say rival some of the studio setups and whether the equipment is as sophisticated or not, the richness and the quality of the sound is there. And I have no qualms about working with someone from a home studio, provided they have a proper you know, home studio. Um, <laughs> but I've been so impressed with the quality of remote recordings that unless it's a client experience that I'm trying to create, I would prefer to work with remote talent because it just, I get the files faster and I, I don't have to leave my house. And, and to me, that's anything that can help move a project forward more quickly is a huge benefit. I would say that's music to most people's ears who are listening right now because that's what they do all day long. This is a way of life that most professional voice actors had already been used to. And so this transition for everybody else working remotely, um, you know, it might have been a bit of a, you know, a learning curve for some. 
But for everybody who's listening, I, I think that it, it's a real wonderful thing that they haven't had to change very much about what they're doing. Although I know some did take the opportunity during the pandemic to upgrade their studios, which of course, as you've noted, is very important. So um, thanks for letting us know how you feel about working with talent remotely. That That's really great feedback for, for everyone to hear who has been focusing on their studio. But when you do bring people in, John, or even when you don't and you work with them remotely, there's a certain etiquette that still applies, right, for for talent, whether they come into studio or they're working with you remotely. And for some talent who are new, and, and certainly a lot have come into the industry over the last couple of years, um, they're just simply not as aware of how to work with a producer or director because they didn't have that benefit of having been in industry before the pandemic. So can you give us some basic examples of studio etiquette? Um, well, I think first and foremost, being able to work collaboratively in a team, just general professional etiquette goes a long way. And I think as talent, it starts with being a good listener, ironically. You know, being able to understand what the motivation for the script and the content is, what the client is trying to achieve, and why manners, ways in which you can manipulate your voice will help serve those communication objectives. Like understanding the why. It's almost like gives you the opportunity to get into character, right? Because as a voiceover artist, you're very often asked to adjust your pace and your tone and your cadence to meet a script's creative ambitions. And so by asking those types of questions and then just listening, let the client or the producer blab on as much as they can and you just download all that information into your brain and then you can really get a sense of what success looks like because when you understand how you can make the producer and or client happy you know you have the skills you know you have the vo chops right but what type of small adjustments can you make in your delivery to make everybody just kind of do that smile and nod thing that all artists love and all vo artists love when everyone's kind of digging what they're hearing so i guess there's two things in there ask the questions to understand the motivation so that you can get into character and then listen Listen to the answers. And if you're not clear before you record, ask another question. I have never felt like because someone asks questions, and especially for young VO artists, that doesn't make you unprofessional. You know, the idea that you you don't have to know everything. And in fact, some of the most seasoned professionals ask the most amount of questions. And so ask those questions so that you feel empowered to deliver a performance that will resonate with the project and the, the project voices. Secondly, I would say that people are coming to you because you're a professional. doesn't matter if you have a one week of experience, one year or 10 years of experience. You are there as the professional. And I believe it's really important for you to leave a piece of you with every project. And what that means is sometimes a producer or a client doesn't know exactly what to ask for, but they know when they like, they know what they like when they hear it. And so... Don't feel like your role in an audio recording is to just be a yes man or a yes woman, because sometimes you're going to do something like one of your instincts, you're going to do something and be like, oh, the class can be like, oh, that was awesome. I didn't, I didn't know how to ask for that, but you just did something that you felt was right. So don't be afraid to take chances and to go with your gut and use your training or your experience to kind of fold in a, fold in a moment in a script that would be like, oh, I think this would be perfect. Because the beauty is, hey, if we don't like it, we can always delete it. 
But at the very least, we, myself as a producer at least, understands that you're present in the session as you're doing everything you can to contribute to the recording in in a positive way. That second piece of advice, I guess, is like, don't be afraid to take chances and don't be afraid to be the expert. A lot of younger people feel like they're just there to do what they're told, but but you're there to be the expert, not to just say the words. And number three, you know, just like any good artist is remember that you're there to serve someone else's creative objectives. And so don't take feedback too personally, just because you don't agree with it or just because you don't agree, it might not be good for the product. Like ultimately it's not what you want, it's what the client wants. And so just be prepared to take the direction and take the feedback and fold it into a performance because your commitment, your obligations in the session are to the producer or client, whoever you're interfacing with first and to the story you're telling second. Um, So in that sense, I did say, you know, bring your expertise to the project, but I'm now also saying, make sure that that doesn't cloud your judgment if you're receiving feedback in a way that you don't think is helpful because ultimately it's not about you. Um, (laughs) So those are maybe a few bits of advice that I might offer in terms of uh, studio etiquette. Well, thank you for tying those two together because, yeah, you do need to bring yourself to the session, but you don't bring your attitude to the session, right? <laughs> right Is that right. kind of like I I've think that's what I meant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you, you know, you're welcome to come to the session, but leave your attitude at the door. Like I've I've heard that from so many successful voice artists who who are you know legendary in their own regards. So um, I think humility does play a big role in how, um, you know, to be someone that's a team player, that you can work well with others, and and, and also that that you might um, find that the team there really likes you, and, and they may keep you in mind for future projects if, if that should come up. The experience that your client or team has with you will 100% lead to future opportunities. Like, if, if they have a good experience with you in session, and obviously the end product is great, which it will be if you're a part of it, <laughs> um, that that goes a long way. People's experience with you as a person also really contribute to their consideration or they're, they're being willing to consider you for future opportunities. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. And so I, I know that I don't want to speak only to the beginner talent out there who are new, but I feel it's really important that we do that because there just are so many people who either haven't had the experiences of being with someone like you, John, and working on projects, or or simply they don't have the same lexicon or the same language. So I'd like to talk a little bit about jargon. And I'm sure there's a lot of jargon that can pop up in a session that may be completely foreign to the ears of others and and, and possibly those people could be confused by instructions that they receive. Um, can you share a few of the most misunderstood jargony terms in the studio and and let us all know uh, what they mean. I know a lot of film buzzwords, you know, a lot of like set slang. I don't know tons of VO slang, but I will say oftentimes VOR artists receive, and any in any creative profession, they receive really ambiguous feedback. Like, can you make it pop more? Or can you add more pizzazz? And these are this type of feedback is not helpful to creative people. They want to understand, do you need it spoken more slowly? Do you you want to put the accent on a different word, on a different syllable? And so (laughs) I do find that, sure, I'm sure there's some buzzy jargon that gets thrown around in in the voice industry, but it's it's more so because clients don't know how to provide practical 
feedback that is actionable. So before recording the show, we talked a lot about how um, you give direction to voice artists when they're in studio to get the, the read that you want, you know, to kind of dispel yep. the mystery that's around it. So um, what's what are a couple ways that you do that? Sure, sure. So, I mean, we can talk about scratch tracks, for instance, meaning that I'll take the opportunity to kind of work through the tone and the cadence with a client. And then I'll actually, in my, you know, Barry White sounding voice, uh, record a sample of what I want it to sound like. And I'll actually provide that to you as a reference before we even get into session. So you can understand where the accents are, where the emphasis are, and basically how I want it to sound. And that actually helps us get that first read of yours much closer to the finish line than it would be if you had no direction at all. So I actually have found that many of you artists will request a scratch track because they don't, there's no sense of wasting time on the day just trying to discover what the client wants. It's like, and as a good, as a good producer, it's like, it makes my life a heck of a lot easier if I can empower um, the voiceover artist with a guide to follow. Obviously they'll bring their own um, special touches to the script on the day, but at least I can show them how to pronounce things, especially if there are some kind of complicated, complicated words or terms. So um, yeah, that would be one thing that, that I actually would recommend you request if you get booked on a job or else the session will just be a little bit, a little bit longer. Um, oh, for sure. And it's so helpful. Like I, I know um, whenever someone has a reference to go from, whether it's an image for an animated character or there's some kind of other, um, you know, resource material that people can have, then it just does make life a lot easier. Sometimes when someone is there in session in, in the studio and they can't quite get that read right, even if, let's say, they were given a scratch track ahead of time of what you would like it to sound like, um, oftentimes what happens is that there is a line read that's given. And what a line read is, is literally like you're there with somebody and you say, this is how I'd like you to say it. And so then you say it exactly as you want the direction to be. And then basically the talent will mimic or repeat back what they heard. Is that also a device that you use? Yeah, sometimes it's because we don't quite get there in session. The enunciation isn't correct or whatever. And even the client, like I'm a producer and I usually supervise the sessions, but I'll also have clients in session as well. And if we're just not getting there, then we'll just stop and then we'll just we'll talk through it a couple times and either myself or the client will just give you the read and show you what we'd like it to sound like. And that actually reduces the amount of back and forth and chatter on the call. And then we can just kind of get straight to the point. So another scenario that I might even recommend you ask for a reading of it, because if if you're not understanding what the client or the producer is putting out, then yeah, just just take a pause ask a client or producer how you'd like it to sound and then take that away and give it a read. Um, sometimes you just kind of need to get into the trenches together to get through a piece of dialogue um, so that the project can just, or the session at least can, can move on because there's so many times where, you know, I've just had scenarios just kind of being stuck on one section um, and inevitably 10 out of 10 times it gets resolved. If you just ask the client, well, what do you want it to sound like? And then in their less professional voiceover voice, they they give it to you and then you can usually mimic it and, and move on. Wow. Yeah. Having the client there, it seemed would be so beneficial. And I know that that 
is um, at times it, it can be impossible to get them in the room. And other times it's easy, especially now with technology and being able to bridge uh, time and space in, in certain ways. Um, but of your clients, how many would you say actually take the opportunity to join these sessions? Um, do they want to be giving this kind of feedback or or do they just kind of hang by the wayside and, and trust you to, to do it all in, on your own? I used to want to manage sessions without the client there because in my mind, at least at the time as a more junior producer, I thought that, you know, let me just make life easier on them. They don't need to join. They probably won't be able to add any value anyways, because I'm the professional. And, and I slowly grew out of that thinking. And now I almost require the client to attend. And if they can't attend, then I'm, as a producer speak, like they're on the hook for any additional fees or costs that might come with having to re-record um, because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm doing it for them. Um, and so if they can't be present or if they don't want to take part in the session and something goes on in the session that they want to correct, then it's on them. And so I would rather push out a recording uh, and by push out, I mean, just schedule it at a later date that's convenient to the client so that we can all be there at once and say, okay, are we happy? If so, let's move on. So now I would say it's nine times out of 10, I'll have the client attend the session. And that's for everyone's benefit, including the project's benefit. Well, that's fantastic. I'm glad that there's such a, well, obviously they don't want to have to pay for redoing any work. They'd rather just, you know, with efficiency and, and cost savings in mind, um, join the initial session um, but do you ever find that you need to be a buffer between the talent and the client? Like do the clients, are they sometimes really picky or harsh with their feedback or, or like, what's your role in all this? How, how do you mediate? Yeah, I, that's my job is, is to be the creative mediator. And I actually love it. Um, and I feel like my job is to be an advocate for both the talent and the client. Like my job is to get the job done. Right. And I, it requires, clients to provide concise feedback and also a performance to provide good performances. So <laughs> oftentimes, because I've just done so many VO recordings, the biggest hangups come when clients are trying to communicate feedback that they just can't quite verbalize because they don't do this often. And so oftentimes I hear clients having challenges communicating something and I understand what they're trying to communicate because I understand their brand well and the, the project's objectives. And so often then I'll just put it through producer filter so that I can speak to the voiceover artist in language that they not only they understand, but that they can action. Um, because kind of like I said earlier, if the, if the client's feedback is, hey, can you make it pop more? Well, pop's not a good word because that's a, a bad word in, in, in voiceover um, world. But, you know, if they use ambiguous terms like add more pizzazz or add more energy, I actually need to make sure that the client, uh, that the voiceover artist understands, well, you know what, what they mean is add an inflection on this word. And when you finish the sentence, finish up as opposed to finishing <laughs> down. And that will just add more, uh, there'll be a more positive cadence to the word. And so again, I'm certainly no voiceover encyclopedia, but I'm often distilling complicated feedback down into uh, kind of just actionable requests for the VO artist. And yeah, my job is to just... That's exactly what we need you to do. <laughs> because as I know that there's there's such a big difference, um, it's almost like you're speaking a different language entirely, you know, like coming from 
you know, the artistic side and then there's technical side. And then you've got like their own brand language that they're using and how they may or may not be able to articulate what they would like to say in their head. And to have someone who understands their brand so well, like you would in your role, is extremely beneficial because it lets the client know that, okay, well, John's got this. He knows how to, to share what we would like. And then the talent also feels safe because they're like, I know I'm going to actually be told what I should be doing instead of kind of guessing all the time, which is not fun as an artist. Um, so when you're kind of doing this translation, is the talent um, behind the glass and you're using a talk back button or, um, you know, like I guess in a remote situation where you're all bridged remotely uh, like you can't just mute like the client for a second <laughs> so the talent can hear them. Like how how do you, I guess, because it's it's one thing to be able to translate what is going on and to kind of help them understand. It's a whole other to preserve the talent's mental well-being and emotional state. So mm-hmm. um, what are some ways that you help with that? Yeah, um, really, really important question. And everyone deserves to be spoken to with respect and nobody should feel like they're kind of being attacked in session. Doing creative work is hard. Uh, and so I certainly, I sympathize with the artists who are trying to get it right. And also clients who sometimes get frustrated because they don't know how to communicate what they're feeling and, and what they'd like to hear from a talent, which is obviously where I, where I come into it. Um, but two things that I do that I find work very well, and this is just speaks to my approach as a producer. Um, the first being is that I'll always get on the call. If it's a remote session, I'll always get on the call with the VO artist 10 minutes before the client comes and I'll talk them through my understanding of how this is going to work, the types of personalities they might meet on the call. And, and that just allows them to prepare themselves for the session. And if sometimes if there's, you know, like brash or straight talking clients who are really not harsh, but just direct with their feedback, it at least allows the talent to prepare themselves emotionally or mentally for the type of experience that's going to happen. You need to be prepared to take direct feedback and and not be offended by it. Leave your kind of ego and attitude at the door, as we mentioned earlier. So I'm doing a prep 10 minutes with the VO talent is super helpful because it gets me and them on the same page. We kind of are teammates. And then I'll also, if I'm having problems with the client, and that we're just not getting there in rhythm on the call, I'll excuse the client from the call and I'll say, okay, we're done with you guys here. You know, thanks so much. I'm going to work with the voiceover artist for 10 minutes after the call to record some additional takes. Um, As a producer, sometimes it's just my job to know when we've got it. And if I find that clients being present isn't being helpful, then, I mean, I won't say get off the call, but I'll kind of end the call and let them know that I'm going to continue to work with the VO artist afterwards to get us a few more options and for clients who trust me which i like to think is all my clients they're like you know what john's got it and whatever we didn't get he'll make sure that we get there for the finished product and so um building that rapport with the artist by just having um kind of sidebars with them or preambles with them goes a long way to getting the most out of each other on the call um when we talk about doing things in person it's really just about mediation, right? In that scenario, the client's not going to really leave before the session is done. So in those types of scenarios, sometimes we just have to over-record, <laughs> you know, just give it as many takes as possible, make sure that everyone's energy is up, everyone's drinking water. And then I hate to say it, you know, but the famous line, then we just figure it out in post, 
<laughs> um, and I just let the client know when I feel we've got it. And then and then I'm taking a chance, right? Because if I tell the client we've got it and then they're not happy with the finished product, which is has been zero out of 10 times so far, at least it's on me and both the client and the voiceover artist can walk away from the session knowing that they've done what was asked of them on the day. And then it's on me as a producer to push the project forward. That is so insightful. I'm like, I'm just thinking these tips should be like taken away by uh, not just talent who want to feel reassured. And, and this is wonderful. Everything you just said is just so wonderful. But for anyone who's listening, who actually works with talent, what John just said, like you need to take some extra time and spend that with the talent to prepare them for what's about to happen, because these are your clients and the talent is coming in, you know, to work with you and with them. And of course, you have the relationship with the client and you know them best. So um, I love helping our talent be set up for success, as you know, John, and, and I think that that goes a long way. So thank you. I want to thank you for all the talent out there um, who are just probably enthralled and trying to find you on LinkedIn at this point to see how can I work with John because he's just such a caring producer. Um, but that that's marvelous. I'm so glad that you put um, the talent in in that that light that that you work with them in that way. They're the it's a it's a Jenga. It's a game of Jenga, right? You remove one piece and the whole thing comes crashing down. Um, and so everyone needs to feel supported from the client all the way down to the talent, like the creative industry, it's collaborative by nature and good producers make sure like they're fully aware of that at all times. Cause when people feel supported, they'll feel inspired and their performances will just be better. You know, as a producer, if you take time to connect with your talent and take time to connect with your clients, even if it's talking about the weather, you know, just take time to develop a rapport because when everyone feels like they're pulling in the same direction, I mean, the outcome is magic, you know? Um, and, and I just love that, you know, when a project comes together and, and the finished product is just, it's like butter, you know, it just, it feels so good because I know how much everyone who was a part of the project cared about the outcome. Um, and, and that I was able to kind of be a part of that equation. Just, I think that's why I do this, you know, to, to make awesome things with talented people. I mean, I think that's why a lot of uh, people work in the creative industry. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, John, um, I know that oftentimes clients, they can only call a talent back if they meet the specifications of what they're looking for. So um, we were talking a bit earlier before the show and you said, well, you know, you can be you know, nice and, and you can be on your, your best behavior, absolutely, and do everything right. Um, but until there's that job that is right for you and, and you've auditioned and you've auditioned for something and they've called you back in, then there might not be anything more you can do other than just leave a good first impression. Oh, yeah. Um, you, every voiceover artist, unless you're a brilliant character actor or, you know, whatever, you know, the Nancy Cartwright of the world. Well, even Nancy Cartwright has a specific type of sound. Um, but but to your point, the break your breakdown that needs your voice might not come around with the same producer for an entire year. And so the best thing that you can do is just provide a professional experience, be warm, care about the performance, care about the outcome, make yourself available just in case there needs to be re-edits or any additional work. You know, a lot of times VO artists will say, hey, and if you need anything else, 
you know, just let me know. I'll, 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 I'll take care of it really quickly for you. And oftentimes I don't need to go back to them. But when a VO artist says, hey, you know what? This was great. And of course, if you need anything else or if anything needs to be touched up, let me know. Like just the idea that they're willing to help as one of the final things that they say to a producer leaves me with the impression that this person cares and I would love to work with this person again. And so I know I've just kind of uh, taken a bit of a turn here because the main point is that you can only work when a breakdown comes that suits your voice, but there is certainly lots of things you can do to be memorable so that I know if, if that breakdown comes back around, I will feel very comfortable reaching out to you to work with you again, knowing that you're not just going to provide me quality session, but you're also going to provide my clients a quality session. Cause that's the most important thing to me is that my clients feel like they're getting a good service and you as a voiceover artist are part of that service. Um, and so some small tidbits to take away in terms of um, what's important to me by way of getting kind of rebooked or at least leaving a good impression. What a great place for us to end. Well, thank you, John, for being with us today. Um, before we go, uh, what's the best way for people to learn more about what you do? A website is CorbinVisual.com, where you can get a sense of the type of work that that we do for clients, um, all the different fun type of work we do for clients. Um, certainly on sharing our, our content on socials all the time, it's kind of Corbin Visual uh, across the board. Um, if you do follow us on social, you'll certainly get, uh, let's just say that the content you consume will be very platform specific. And so if you want some more silly stuff, that's a TikTok thing. You know, if you want higher quality stuff, uh, perhaps that's that, that's more Instagram. But uh, yeah, Corbin Visual handles across the board uh, and, and Corbin Visual on LinkedIn as well, which is where we should probably share more, more practical insight um, for, for professional services. Everyone should definitely go check out your website and, and to, to get to know your brand. And, and hopefully at some point they'll get to work with you too. Thanks again, John, for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks, Stephanie. And that's the way we saw the world through the lens of voiceover this week. A special thank you to our guest, John Corbin from Corbin Visual for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know how you feel by commenting on posts that Voices is making on social media about Vox Talk. Thank you again for investing your time with us as you continue to grow in your voiceover career. For Voices, I'm your host, Stephanie Cicerelli. Jeff Bremner is our producer. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.